Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest, so not too far north of me, but we're going to have a great conversation around commission versus salary and video lead response and kind of transferable talents and just all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, I'd like to introduce you to Yvonne, and I'm going to try, I think I said that wrong. I probably did. <laughs> You're getting good, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks for the effort. Hey, uh, for everyone out there that's watching and listening and uh, don't know who you are and kind of how you got started in the industry, let's start off with a little origin story. So so how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, uh, like everybody else, I think I stumbled I stumbled on the industry. I knew uh, somebody uh, here at Mercedes-Benz in Moncton. I uh, happened to be uh, the general manager. Uh, I spoke with him a little bit. I asked him to go for coffee. And uh, we talked about the potential of me joining the team. And uh, I think it was three and a half days later, here I was. So <laughs> yeah. as the industry moves quickly, uh, so did my decision. I had to make a quick decision. So. I love I love when people kind of just kind of stumble their way into it. So I'm I'm curious. You were in the hospitality industry, and then just one day you're like, "Hmm, I should try car sales." Did did like walk me through that? How did you go from How did yeah, you go yeah. from hospitality well, to car sales? I went from hospitality industry to uh, selling uh, fire alarm safety equipment, okay. and that definitely was too far left. It was not uh, something for me. So. Uh, there was some am- amalgamation that happened, and next thing you know, I was uh, looking for something else, and uh, that's how I stumbled to uh, the car industry. I love it. I love I love hearing uh, how people kind of get into it. Like I said, I find either people stumble their way into it. I think you know what? It's funny. I actually had someone on a podcast a month ago who who get this was actually a rocket scientist, like like a legitimate rocket scientist turned car salesman. Um, so it's so funny how people just kind of stumble their way into the industry, but we're so glad that you became a part of this industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I've been getting uh, calls for the last couple of years of people that I know that uh, reached out to me and say, uh, look, yeah, I know you've gone from hospitality to car sales. Uh, I'm thinking of making a move myself. Uh, can you give me some orders? Tell me how you you feel about it. And uh, uh, even this morning, I reached out to somebody again uh, saying, look, uh, don't forget <laughs> to, you can give me a call anytime. I'd be willing to, to assist you and guide you into this. Well, I think there's a lot of a lot of potential in our industry, so I, I'm glad that you're here. And I, I find I've had a lot. I've worked. I've had a lot of people in the hospitality industry actually work with me in the business, and they've turned out to be some just amazing people. Which is, I think, one of the topics we're actually going to talk about today. We're going to talk about transferable ta- talents. But I think right now, the first one I, I want to kind of talk about because it's kind of based on what the origin story you just tell me is. There's a stigma in our industry. There's a stigma about being a, a car salesman. So I'm just kind of curious for you. Did, did you have any issues with becoming a car salesman? Did any of your family, did, did you go home and like tell everybody, hey, I want to be a car salesman and everyone was like, yay, or did they look at you a little differently? Yeah, uh, it was one of my big concerns. I had a big personal problem with uh, the idea behind it, uh, the stigma, and mainly because of the uh, the level of service I'm giving to my clients in the hospitality industry uh, over over my career. And I kept trying to put that in my head is that, you know, 
can I do this? Can I give the same level of, uh, of service? And how are people going to see me, you know, all the car sales? Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a battle in my mind. Uh, but funny enough, my family and everybody was super amazingly That's supportive awesome. and thought it was a great idea. So God knows that maybe I'm the only one with that. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Like, I do remember... <laughs> um, I do remember coming home telling my mom I was going to sell cars, and uh, she did do one of these. She put her head down and kind of just shook it back and forth. It was just it was like, why? Out of all the things you can do, Jason, why are you going to go be a car salesman? Now, funny enough, she's 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 so happy I did get into the industry because it's it's provided such an amazing opportunity for me and my family. Um, the one thing I kind of want to go into, uh, which you kind of touch on already, is is a little bit about you know. That, that customer experience. You have people that reach out to you because of the connections that you've made prior to even getting into the business. And that says a lot about you as an individual. And, you know, I, I think it was one of the things we actually kind of connected on. Definitely one of the things I've kind of absorbed from looking at your social media efforts is that you truly care about that experience. And what I think I'm going to applaud you for here is that you didn't um, either knowingly or unknowingly, you didn't expect the dealership to provide the experience. You felt immediately it was your responsibility to provide the experience. So, so kind of walk me through, like, why is that? What, why do you feel so convicted it's your responsibility to provide that experience? I'm not sure why, but it, it has to be, you have to have it inside you. You have to want to. And I think that goes in every aspect of life. And uh, for people that know me, uh, they know that it doesn't matter if it's on a personal level or on a business level, they're going to get a consistent, very personable approach, meaningful approach. And uh, uh, every interaction I have with my clients, uh, they, they often become friends, uh, you know, not close, close friends, but they become genuine friends uh, over over the period of that. And uh, I think you're building trust and they feel that you're sincere in that approach as well. Now, is that something that's just, I mean, is that always kind of been, you know, an intention of yours is to connect with people and, and, and kind of get to that space? Or because I'm always kind of curious, because look, I got to be honest with you, I, I'm one of the first people to admit that it, that is actually not a natural thing for me. It's not a natural thing for me to just connect with a random stranger and try to get to, you know, a place, I guess, of, of, of intent to want to serve, you know, that other person like that necessarily wasn't, doesn't in me. Now, and of course, over the years I've developed it, but you know, for, for yourself, has that just always been a part of kind of your mindset or is that something you constantly have to kind of train yourself on? Yeah. Well, I probably was trained at, uh, at a young stage. Uh, I, I was, both my parents have restaurants, so I, I grew up in the restaurant industry. Uh, so serving people and, and people's, you know, clients becoming part of the extended family. Uh, so again, I think we're trained that way. It comes to you. You have it inside of you. And mm -hmm. uh, I just never let it go. I feel genuine when I talk to every single person that comes here. And uh, I think I take, uh, I, satisfaction out of that that I, you know i've done in my best and uh, hopefully they see that i'm sincere and, uh, I, I just love it it's no you know what though I, I find that true though with a lot of look i've had the opportunity to interview um some amazing salespeople in our industry and i'm not, not only just from a volume perspective but just um, from a profitability perspective but just uh, a branding perspective and that is one thing i find consistent among all of them is that they, they almost get a high like they, they, they get a high off of connecting with others 
And, you know, being, being able just to sell them a car, well, that's just a cherry on the top. But, you know, yeah. their, their, their sole goal is to just connect with others. So I, I, think that's, I think that's really cool. We were talking a little bit um, before we started recording about customer expectations. And, you know, right now, I'm, I'm, with the consumer, the way the consumers change, it's not enough that we just meet the expectation especially in the car business. It's not enough that we just sell them a car, right? I think, you know, the customer has been almost conditioned to expect that we exceed the expectations, not just meet the expectations. And I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on how, as salespeople, we can exceed those customers' expectations. For sure. And, you know, as you know, with COVID-19, everything now is done a lot more so uh, remotely. So people are at home, they're, they're browsing the internet, they're, they're, they might find a car that interests them uh, on your site, and then they click and they send you a little little lead. So on her end, for them, it was just a simple click requesting information. Mm -hmm. So they, first of all, they expect maybe a response maybe not uh so it's all about that first response and the information first of all you answer the questions you might have just one or two questions so uh the first thing would be to answer that question uh but give them a little bit something else and uh, nowadays with technology we're able and i love to respond with a video so i'll do a quick video i can be home in my kitchen i'll do a quick little uh, uh, intro video putting a face to the name answering their question uh, and then inviting them to to ask me something else and uh, telling them what's going to be the next step is I'm going to follow up with a copy of the Carfax. If it's a pre-owned vehicle, I'm going to mm -hmm. uh, follow up with the inspection report. Uh, if it's a new vehicle or, or pre-owned vehicle, uh, we'll do a walk-around, personalized walk-around video for them. So as I do these, uh, these, in, these steps for them, they know what to expect, and I believe I exceeded the expectation as well. Well, you know, I actually think that's really cool because if, if you ever think about how you could potentially exceed someone's expectation, the, the meet and greet is definitely one of them, right? Um, when I first started in this business, I had this manager. No, at the time, I thought he was a total dick. Um, now, of course, over the years, I, I think I've I've kind of, you know, maybe understood some of his uh, his methodologies a little bit better. But he had this he had this thing where, it, as a salesperson, you couldn't sell a car that day unless you could properly verbatim repeat the meet and greet to him. So every single morning, everyone would line up. I feel like it was like schoolyard. We'd all line up, and we'd have to go one by one by one, shake his hand, and verbatim do the meet and greet. And if we couldn't do it. We got sent home for the day and we weren't allowed to sell cars that day. Now, now the industry's changed a lot, but you know, at, at you know, it, look, back then I thought the guy was just a total dick. Now what I'm realizing is really what he was doing is he was conditioning us in what we say to consistently execute a good meet and greet because it's that first impression. If we ever want to see someone's expectations, it's that first impression. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, before COVID, back in February, um, I uh, I was visiting a hotel. And I pulled up to the hotel and before I could even open the door, there was someone there to kind of open the door and help me with my luggage and immediately said, Hey, Mr. Harris, welcome back. Wait a second. Do I know you? Like, how did you, wait a second. What, what was that? Okay. So now of course that piqued my interest for a while. I asked him, I said, wow, that's really cool. How, how do you know my name? And he goes, well, when you pulled up, uh, we actually, um, we have your, your license plate number on record because you, when you filled out your, your reservation, you put that in there for valet purposes. I said, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I do remember doing that. And they're like, well, we pulled that information up. So that's how we're able to do that. I'm like, wow. 
Talk about within the first 15 seconds exceeding someone's expectations, you know, just by being able to call their name out. And you're doing that with your video lead response, right? And, and real quick, yeah. guys, I don't know if you heard, uh, uh, heard what he said, but he said he actually does it in the kitchen. So that means a lead comes in. Even if he's not at the dealership, you still respond with the video. Is that correct? Is that what I heard? Absolutely. That's what you heard. See, now, I, I think that's just super cool. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's enough. I think people are so worried about creating videos sometimes that they're not even willing to do it at home. But uh, walk me through. Walk me through, um, you know, how you embraced video as exceeding someone's expectations. Well, uh, I think video is really uh, to show that you're human, right? So they're, they're expecting a little email, probably trying to convince them to come into the dealership. Uh, that's kind of been the, the, the ways it's been done uh, over the years. That being said, uh, the video is really to show them that I'm here. I'm a person. I want to acknowledge you and thank you for reaching out to me. And uh, I'm personally showing you who I am. Well, you know, you're setting the stage. You're setting the stage, right? Um, I mean, think about it. Um, you know, over 80% of what we say doesn't actually come out in the words that we say. Right. Um, it's tonality, it's eye contact, it's body language. All right. Everybody knows when I, when I start getting worked up, my, my hands start flaring about all over the place, you know, and they're just like, Oh gosh, here he goes. Um, in fact, it's funny watching some of my camera guys, cause they'll actually know, like they, they'll start to see my hands move and they're like, they almost kind of get ready for it. Cause they're like, he's going to say something because he's getting worked up. Um, but but there's I so much. Like I'm French, I talk with my hands all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, but but that but that says a lot, right? If I'm trying to connect with someone within 15 seconds, I got 15 seconds to connect someone and set that 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 first impression. All right, to show someone my intent to want to serve them. I don't think you can do that through black and white text, can you? No, and the other thing is that everybody they've sent multiple leads out, so. You know, everybody's going to re respond differently. Uh, but I believe by sending them an intro video, I, I hope, you know, maybe not for long, but I'm separating myself from, from the masses. And uh, hopefully I should, at least my response rate uh, when I do that is through the roof. If I just, you know, sometimes I'm lazy like everybody else and uh, I'll just <laughs> send a, an email response and all of a sudden, why are they not responding? Then I do another email response and I don't hear back and all of a sudden I, I do a couple of videos and boom, boom, I, I hear that, so. Because it shows, it, it, you can hear it in your tonality, you can see it in your body language, you give a crap. Uh, a, you're excited, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but like, I love working with people that are excited about what they do. Okay. I had a, I had a gentleman on a podcast a few weeks ago that, you know, was talking about uh, regulatory compliancy. Now that's not a very exciting thing to talk about. Let's just, let's just put it out there. Right. But his passion for it was huge and I got excited and I'm sitting here, I'm finding myself like, why am I excited talking about, you know, like regulatory compliancy and how I avoid liability. And like, I'm like, <laughs> why am I excited about talking about these things is because that person's energy was exciting. And that's what you get. That's what you get when you connect with on a video. So here's my next question then for you when it comes to the video. Um, you've been doing a lot of these. What would you say? Let's give me three best practices about shooting a video lead response. 
right. Uh, first one, I would say it doesn't have to be perfect. I think people are they prefer that it is genuine. If you, we talked about that a little a while ago uh, when you fell on the ice or something along those lines, maybe not to that extent, but uh, nonetheless, yep, uh, yep. they like that, that it's not a full-blown uh, Hollywood edit. Um, doesn't say that it has to be really rough. Secondly, is uh, in my case, and I've learned this right out of the gate, I was selling a car to somebody from Toronto, and it was a pre-owned uh, Mercedes-Benz, and I made sure to show any flaws, any imperfection, and I did not want to hide anything, so transparency in the video uh, is key. And uh, I think second part is to be on cue if you're going to tell them that you're going to follow up and send them a follow-up video or a walk-around video well you should do so in you know in a decent response time so not next week or in two weeks but it should be uh fairly quick and they will res- they, they will be astonished that you've given them all that mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. and in that you know short period of time i i like that i think um one take i'm with you on this right I think I think you make a mistake, you you own it. Um, in fact, sometimes I, I find people connect with us because of our mistakes. And I was talking to another gentleman uh, recently that does a lot of video lead response, and sometimes he may even purposely throw in a little mistake just to kind of connect. Like I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. I said that's not a bad strategy. A little tricky, but I like that. And he's like, and I'm like, what do you do? He goes like, I'll drop the phone. Like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I'll drop the phone or I'll forget the keys for the car. And so, you know, I'm out there and I'm like doing a walk around on the, on the car and I'm trying to show him it. And then I go to open the door and the doors, the door doesn't open and I don't have the keys. And I'm just like, and, and, and I just own like, it. Damn, I don't have the keys. Yeah. I'm like, oh crap, I forgot the keys. Right. Oh, and then he just kind of takes the phone and shoves it up against the window and says, look, look, look inside there, you know, and I'm just. <laughs> But you know, it's funny. It's, it's just, it feels, I, I feel like just being a real person is, is how someone wants to connect. I mean, you, you were going to talk about a story I told you when I first started doing video back in 2006, 2007. All right. Uh, where and back then you had to record, upload, then send via YouTube or something along that lines. And I, uh, I set the camera up on a tripod. It was a slippery floor because it was an indoor showroom. And I kind of ran and slid into the into into frame, and I fell on my ass. I totally fell on my ass, and then I popped right back up, and I acted like nothing happened, and I just continued went to do it. And in my head, I was like, "I'm just going to edit that out before I send it." Well, I forgot to edit it, and I sent it, and of course, then someone shared it, and it shared it, and it kind of was one of my first viral videos. And and at, at, at first, my gut reaction was, "I'm going to go delete this. I'm going to go delete this. This is horrible." But I let it go and it actually brought me a lot of business because I, I think people just saw us as a person. So I love that one. That's a great one. And I love the other one of, you know, you can't just end a video with like, okay, thanks. Have a great day. You end a video with kind of that next step. Like, what are you going to do next? Correct? Absolutely. And the key there, though, is to make sure you follow up on those next steps. Uh, for a while, I was always doing that. And then I kind of slowed down. And next thing you know, like it was in the back of my mind, just, I didn't do what I promised I was going to say. So I stopped and reassessed everything. And now I give them, I give myself three or four good next steps that I think it's pertinent information for the client. And I make sure to follow that process. And every time I do that, um, the, the clients are thanking me and it makes the experience from the right out of the gate, right to the end mm-hmm. when we deliver the keys, uh, a joyful experience. And 
to me that is worth your time and effort and uh, you you get uh, a good feeling at the end that you've given that person a great experience and it worked out for everybody that's awesome hey i, I got a question for you kind of as we're talking i'm thinking about this because i'm thinking you know um it, it's not, Seven to 10 years ago, um, when I was telling people to do video, they looked at me kind of cross-eyed, like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, right? And which always kind of surprised me because, you know, being a salesperson, I always just thought you, you just didn't have a whole lot of fear around putting yourself out there because as a salesperson, you have to put yourself out there. You know, you're, you're just, you just, you go up to perfectly good strangers and you just put yourself out there. And I was always kind of surprised to find out how many of them weren't comfortable necessarily doing that in front of a camera because they already do it every single day. So I'm curious for you, like, um, well, it didn't actually, you know what, I guess not for you because it didn't sound like you had that fear, but for the people out there that are watching and listening that may have that fear of judgment, you know, and they're not comfortable getting in front of a camera. What, what could you say to those individuals? I'll start by saying, I think everybody has that. It doesn't matter if you're a, Hollywood star, I think that, you know, at first, the first couple of times, you're always going to have that little jitter and uneasy feeling. Uh, but it's like cold calling and, you know, uh, salesmen that are cold calling. That at first, you do not want to go and knock on those doors. Uh, but you do it a couple of times and it just gets easier and easier. And all of a sudden, it's, you, you love it. And uh, I really enjoy doing it. And every now and then, I'll record something and I'm a little hesitant. Uh, should I post it? Should I not? And But at the end of the day, I think you just got to put yourself out there and people are going to they're going to respect that quite a bit. I like that. You know, I've, I've found um, actually do have a process. Uh, that I do play this game every once in a while with people who tell me that they won't do video, right? And um, I usually go kind of, uh, I do this with my kids, actually. I do worst case scenario. Like, what's the worst case scenario that you put this video out there? Like, what do you think is going to happen, right? And we'll, we'll play through that. And, and I'm like, okay, well, what's what's the worst video you could potentially make? I could fall down or I drop the phone or I, I use a curse word. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now go do all of those videos first. And like purposely, purposely drop the phone, purposely say, shit, damn crap. What did I just say? Like, just, you just, just get it out of your system. Right. I feel like, you know, we were kind of talking about earlier of like owning our mistakes. Right. And I feel like if we purposely kind of put ourselves into just make, no, you know, I'm not necessarily saying you have to go send out these videos, but make these videos, watch them so that you can kind of just kind of own it. And then, and you'll, you'll see we're like, okay, you know what? That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. If I drop yeah, the phone, absolutely. it's not that bad. I've made one the other day. We had a little uh, video contest going on here within the sales team, and uh, uh, I had to do one. I did one on the Sprinter vans because there's a market out there for the for van sure. life for and, sure. and conversion and that type. Of, and I didn't really know what to do, and I didn't have any content. And we're in the middle of winter, and we don't have many vans here in inventory. So I just went and stepped in behind one of the empty cargo vans, and I started recording. And I recorded a bunch of stuff, and I ended up putting a little. Uh, video together for for the masses and you know by far it's not perfect and it might not even be interesting uh but i went and i put myself out there and i did it and i walked through it and you know uh, i listened to it and I, I personally enjoy it because i went and put myself out there uh with something that is not a g-wagon right so no, that's true, right? Actually, I think that's a good point. Actually, I think for anybody out there that's looking to get over their fear, it's actually start with the hardest vehicle. Like, what is the hardest car on your lot? 
to shoot a video about and then go do that one first. Because to your point, you're absolutely right. If you got to shoot a video on a C63, that's pretty easy. If you got to shoot a video on, on, on a, you know, on a, on a, on a, a GT or you have to shoot a video on, uh, on, on an S class, it's usually pretty simple, right? The car kind of speaks for itself. You just got to sit there and facilitate, you know, the, but, but I think that's a great, I like, I like that. That's a yeah. really good way to kind of get over your fear is just go find the hardest vehicle possible and go do that one first. Right. And that will just kind of, I, I find for us to get over fear, we have to push through fear. Right. We have to, Absolutely. And, and we have, to, and I think we can do that in a, in a fun, comfortable place. And I, I think if you record a video like that, you can send it to your other salespeople, get them to watch it, get, get the laughs out, get the laughter out, get, get just get past that judgment. Right. And look at the end of the day, you know, uh, producing video is going to be incredibly beneficial. Like, I'm, let's talk about this. You've had some great yep. success. All right, with uh, selling vehicles with video lead response, give me give me a couple of your your best examples that were just total home runs for you. Well, I'll give you the first one. It was in my early stage of uh, being here as I received the lead, and this is where before everybody was talking the video, we were we were doing it from from the get go. But this gentleman was from Toronto, and he was interested in this special pre-owned vehicle that uh, from Mercedes that is uh, that is rare. There's none. That's why he reached out to us. We had one, and I did a walk around video of this vehicle, and I showed him the little flaws. I showed him uh, the certification process and what we've done. To, to, to make sure it's uh, uh, fully certified and reconditioned. And the fact that I showed him little scratches on the bottom wheel well and, and you know, maybe on the hood, on the yeah, rear bumper, that's cool. established trust with him. And uh, from that, uh, at the end, uh, the home run was that he took a plane, he flew from Toronto and came here and picked up the vehicle and uh, drove off with it. Uh, but then that just set the stage for other ones who so we've mm-hmm, done the mm-hmm. same thing, uh, but they simply bought it blind based on the video and, you know, the, the, the genuine approach to everything and the transparency to everything uh, where they didn't, didn't even come on site. We just shipped them directly to them. And to take in another That's step awesome. uh, is that right now, because of COVID, we have to do that. I've been shipping cars to Prince Edward Island uh, last couple of months. I'm shipping one tomorrow to Northern Brunswick. Uh, and this is all done from a distance. Everything. Uh, the, the client doesn't have to step into the dealership. Yeah, that's one thing. You know, if, if I hate to say if there's any silver lining, but if there's a silver lining here, you know, th- th- this has, I mean, this is something you've been doing for three, three, a little over three years. So, you know, the fact that as an industry, we're forced into a place where we have to communicate remotely, we have to connect from a distance. I mean, did you feel like you were just a little bit more prepared uh, for this than others? Uh, I certainly felt it. I, I, you know, had a discussion with management uh, once we returned from the first lockdown. It's okay, well, what are we doing for the second week? Because history shows that there will be this second wave, and you know how can we approach that? And you know the consensus is really video is transparency in, in video. And I know we cannot put them behind the wheel for a test drive, which normally seals the deal. Uh, but the video is the has been that test drive, I guess. No, it's true. I mean, we, you had to you have to create that trust factor to the point where someone feels confident that they can do an entire transaction that way. You know, I'm curious because we were actually kind of talking about this uh, before we started recording. It's kind of the transferable of talents. And I'm just wondering for yourself, 
if you feel like some of the talents that you've created being in the hospitality industry and your other experiences previously, do, do you feel like some of that got transferred into automotive and what you're doing right now? Absolutely. I'm a strong advocate of transferable, uh, transferable talent or skills, as, as I'm used to calling it, is that everything you do in your career over life, whether it's personal or, or uh, through the career, uh, you acquire skills. And in my case, the hospitality industry has, has made me who I am today in the auto industry, no doubt in my mind. And then, of course, when you're in the hospitality industry, you're a jack of all trades. So whether it's accounting, uh, things like that, or detailing a car, we're not, you know, I wasn't scared of uh, rolling up my sleeves. So, uh, you know, these are all skills and they're, they're all attributes that you can bring to the table. And uh, I would encourage anybody that's thinking about the auto industry to just take a look at themselves and what are they good at and uh, put that in their mind to see if they think they, that they, they can help clients in the car mm-hmm. industry with mm-hmm. those skills. No, it's true. I mean, look, I'll give you a funny story. Um, one of the best managers I've ever had work for me was a, uh, an ex kindergartner teacher. Uh, she was, she was, and, and funny cause a lot of people go, did you just hire a kindergarten teacher? to be your sales manager? I said, absolutely, I did. And and I hate to say it, but managing a team of salespeople in a lot of cases is very, sim- <laughs> is very similar to managing a, a classroom full of kindergartners. <laughs> but it was, it was a transfer of those talents. But also what I found was is that she was amazing at teaching and developing people. Because because of her knowledge as a kindergarten teacher, all right, you know, she knew that people took information differently and they took it at a different pace and she was patient with everyone. And even the way that she, you know, the way she would even work a deal or, or pencil a deal was just had this level of patience and it just, I just couldn't find it in anybody else out there. So that that's a great example. You have a great example of kind of transferable talents. This was a great example, but yes, my, my, a kindergarten teacher can most definitely manage a sales floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I'll, I'll give you one example if, uh, if time permits. Absolutely. Uh, that happened, happened to me just lately is that uh, you talked about patience and, uh, and I had a client, it was a, a perfect client, very, the, the transaction was amazing. Uh, but at the end, it was as simple as we could not get run flat winter tires for his brand new vehicle it's 2021 model mm-hmm. uh there's always different tire size and tires are always running behind the you know the the sizes that manufacturers decide to make and uh the deal almost blew apart just because of that but you take your time and you listen to the client and you show empathy and you take it one step at a time and in this case uh uh, I just took it slowly, and we found we ended up finding a solution. And uh, when the CSI uh, our score for the survey, he it was a hundred percent all the way, and he put in long paragraphs about, you know, that uh, Mercedes was lucky to have me on board, uh, part of the sales team, uh, because I took the time to listen to his concern, and we ended up finding a solution together. So taking the time and just mm-hmm. you know, resonate with your client. No, I think that's awesome. And I think anybody out there that's listening to us right now, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, kind of, uh, you know, gets what we're saying as far as transferable talent. And they think like, I have the talent and I, this is an industry I'd be interested in. 
you know, um, one of the, we connected actually online over a post I did about commission versus salary. And I would love to kind of get your thoughts on this because you're still relatively new in the business. And, you know, I think for anybody out there that's listened to us talk about transfer, transferable talents, you know, this is a great place for them to be. Um, but, you know, right now, I don't know if we're necessarily hitting the mark as far as how our pay structures are created. So get, tell me a little bit about your thoughts behind, you know, commission versus salary. And does, does our current pay structures attract new talent? So I, I did have concerns with that at the beginning when I came in. And of course, uh, I had the stigma of the car sales. And then, you know, when was the, the 100% commission is, uh, I said, okay, I'm uh, probably good in a year's time from now when I have the experience. But what's going to take me from, from you know, zero to hero? And how can I pay the bills in between? And for me, the dealership had a great structure f- that I thought helped me at the time. There was no pandemic, of course. So uh, they had a a strong structure where I was able to bank some uh, commissions from those car sales and while I was on a salary. Uh, So once the salary cut off, I had enough to, you know, survive for a couple months as I'm building more sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was fine with that and I still believe it was a good structure. but I also believe that moving forward, I think there needs to be a lot of talk put around that. And uh, how can we attract, uh, is it salary-based? I know we briefly touched on that. I really don't know what the, uh, the magic formula would be. Uh, but that being said, I love being 100% commission right now because of my, of my mindset. And it also, there's no plateau. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm responsible to making my own salary. Yep. I've given myself multiple uh, uh, salary increase, uh, which I love uh, when <laughs> I say that to my wife. Well, I just gave myself a pay raise. That's awesome. Um, but you have to treat every single deal the same way. If you're 100 like I refuse to take treat a client one way because I know I'm going to make a big uh, pay on this deal. And the other one is, uh, you know, $200 minimum. For sure. uh, I refuse to think of that. And I will strongly just by heart deal, uh, serve everybody the same way. And it all balances out at the end of the year. But if you don't have that mindset, I think the commission base uh, can be detrimental to the customer's experience and the service you provide. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm not necessarily saying that I, I have the, the right answer. I, I definitely do think, though, that we need to have a conversation around it. Um, you know, not not only because it is 2021, but also because, you know, uh, the impact uh, that COVID has had in our industry. Um, I, I think finding and attracting new talent is going to be a, a very big topic moving into this year. And I think the way our pay structures are are, are set up right now and also, you know, our constant, you know, trying to find that next superstar for our, our sales team is just, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot more focus around the team and how people connect with the team, interact with the team. So that, that will ultimately, you know, kind of determine who, who we bring on board. And I think the way we compensate people moving forward, it's going to have to kind of fundamentally change. I think the experience itself has gotten, look, the, 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 we talked about this earlier at the very beginning. The fact that the customer's new expectation is that we not meet the expectation, but exceed the expectation, that is the yeah. new expectation, says a lot about what we have to do as an industry. And 
our pay structures have to change for that. Look, I, you know what? I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time and um, I'm confident we could probably jam about this for another solid hour. But before I let you go though, for everybody that's been watching and listening to us talk, you know, for this period, what is, and, and they want to connect with you, what is the best way to do so so they can kind of continue the conversation or follow along with your journey? I think uh, social media platforms are, are a great way to connect. Uh, we can, it's so easy to follow somebody and send just a quick private message. And I'm getting them uh, on a daily basis. And I try to respond to every single one of them. Uh, and so whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, I do have a little Facebook page as well. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Yvonne de Mercedes, I guess, in French, for my French contacts, will know what that means. It's, uh, it means he sells Mercedes. Uh, in in French, but uh, so please uh, just reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, and I'll be happy to just uh, have fun, uh, share your personal side of uh, of who I am. That's awesome, and I really encourage anybody out there that's watching, listening right now to connect. Um, I think there's just a lot that we can learn when we connect and when we continue these conversations. Ivan, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been so much fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.